what a blessed man I am. I am surrounded by beauty. I get to live with Margaret. And I get to see you guys on Sunday. And I'm not just blowing smoke now. I mean, this is, y'all are some good looking people. I'm just saying. Huh? Oh, go on. <laughs> I thought you were saying back at you. <laughs> but, but I guess not. <laughs> okay, we've been talking about how to live drenched and how to live drenched on a, on a consistent basis. And today we're going to be talking about the challenge of community. We, we've talked about being called to community. We've talked about the strength of community. The challenge of community, if you don't get this one, you will never be able to consistently walk in a, in a manner that is, that is drenched to the Holy Spirit on your life because a devil will keep you tore up 95% of the time. My money's on the dog. <laughs> Would you stand with me? We're going to read uh, two verses of Scripture. Oh, well, two passages of Scripture. Brief ones. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each other, one another. And any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And then one verse from Proverbs. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life that is in your word. I pray, Father, that you would quicken us, that the Holy Spirit would, would, would touch our hearts so that we might, we've been, we've been all week in a dead world out there. And I pray that your word would invade us in a particularly personal way today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, I want to start off by telling you some of my conflict stories from uh, three different places. And the first one of those places was uh, First Assembly of God in Millersville, Tennessee. Uh, My parents went to Millersville in 1953, and the church there had, I don't know, 10 or 12 people. Uh, they met in a little cinder block building that was about a quarter of a mile off of Highway 31W. And when I say it was a quarter of a mile off, it was a gravel road to get there. And, um, and my dad actually didn't want to go there. But they, uh, because I, if I've heard him tell this story once, I've heard it a million times about how they kind of sort of sort of wrangled him into it. And so they were there. My dad took a job as a... Uh, uh, a butcher at the grocery store, uh, so he could uh, so he could pastor this church. They were paying thirty five dollars a week, and um, and his phone bill, which usually would run between five and six dollars a month. And he, uh, my dad, uh, my mom uh, took a few more classes in school so she could become a teacher. Uh, Nineteen fifty six, she did that. She started teaching the year that I started the school, and um, the church began to grow and by 1958 59 I don't remember exact year they had uh, they built a they got some property out on the main road they built a um, a building they had a building they were running close to 100 people and things were moving along pretty well 
you know, I'd seen how my parents had sacrificed and, and, and poured into, into helping build this church. And then in 1964, I remember the annual church business meeting where uh, one of the dear old saints stood up and said, I really believe that it's time for Brother Meek to step down. And I was a 14-year-old sitting there. And let me just say that I've never been a big fan of annual church business meetings. And this might have something to do with it. And uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't see this coming. I had no idea this was coming. And I, I was 14 years old. And I, and I was just kind of like, you know, what? And, I, you know, she... It was a she uh, gave her 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 little spiel, and there was some conversation that went on. And all I remember was getting up and and yelling a few things, uh, and making an impassioned uh, something or other. And anyway, so uh, my dad um, they decided to keep him on, and uh, and he did. I don't know if it had anything to do with my speech or if it was in spite of my speech, which may have been the case. But they kept him on. Uh, he didn't make it to 20 years there, though. I think he left around 1970, uh, 71, somewhere in that, uh, in that neighborhood. Um, so anyway, little church conflict going on there. Um, also, the Lord's Chapel. And let me just say this. Uh, some of you were from, you know, uh, have experience with the Lord's Chapel back in the day. And... Uh, and it was an incredible place. It, it, was, it was a wonderful place, but it was a wild and woolly place. And most anything would go on. And yeah, there was a lot of conflict, but there, was, there, was a lot of, there, was, there were a lot of memories that I have that have nothing to do with conflict. And I uh, might set up a couple of those, first of all. I remember going uh, one night to, uh, uh, we were meeting in a tent because the building had burned down. And uh, things had gotten going during worship pretty well. And I was about halfway back and, and I saw this pair of feet kind of hopping up and down in front of the, in front, of the, uh, the front row. And I'm going, what in the world? And, and it turns out that, you know, some guy had just gotten so uh, drenched, if you will, that he decided to walk on his hands for Jesus. And so he was walking on his hands and the feet were just kind of bopping up. I go, this is the Lord's chapel, man. Uh, later on, I, I uh, was leading worship there, and uh, I remember a time that a guy, one of, the, one of the brothers in the church came to me, and he was just begging me for months to have this guy come and sing for communion. Uh, this, was, this was a real talented man, and, and he had this wonderful song about his mother that would fit perfect for communion. And I'm going, he's got a song about his mother for communion? Yeah, yeah. Well, I finally said, okay, all right, yeah, he, he can come. So he came, but I didn't know, I didn't know what he looked like or anything. I just, I don't even remember his name now, but let's just say it was George. And so, you know, it came time for communion and I said, is George here? And George, sure enough, was here and George came down front and got to the piano and sat down and sang this song about his mother. And no Jesus, no communion, no anything, just old mother, I miss you. Uh, wish you were here. And um, then he got up and he walked out the door and I never saw him again. And I thought, this is the Lord's chapel. Yeah, this is how this place works. Um, I got a million of them, but one more. Uh, 
I was leading worship one night and we were doing the uh, chorus to Psalm 92 verses 1 through 5 because in the New American Standard Bible, Rodney Boyd probably knows this, uh, Psalm 92 verses 1 through 5 fits perfectly with the melody of If I Were a Rich Man from uh, um, Fiddler on the Roof. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to thy name almost high. To declare thy loving kindness in the morning and by night. With a ten-string lute and with a harp with resounding music on the lyre. <laughs> For thou, O Lord, hast... I'm glad Rodney Frazier didn't go to the Lord's Chapel. For thou, O Lord, <laughs> hast made me glad by what? Thou hast done, I will sing for joy, for joy at the works of thy hands. How great are thy works, O Lord. Thy thoughts are very, very deep. That's where it ends. And then you go back and you sing those five verses again. Except when we went back to sing the five verses again, nobody would sing. And the musicians stopped playing. And I was ticked off until I realized that I was singing, if I were a rich man. (laughs) Yeah, it's the Lord's Chapel. This is what we do here. Uh, But there was conflict. I remember, um, and, and I had just been made an elder, and I was probably only 30 or so, and uh, I was put on a committee with a couple of other guys, older guys, and I thought, uh, okay, great. And so we had a committee meeting at my house, and uh, we sat down to meet about whatever it was supposed to meet about. But before we got there, the, before we started talking about that, the other two said, uh, you do know Brother Moore is supposed to resign. No. Really? Yeah. And so the next thing I know, we're having a secret was not secret, but it was elders only, elders meeting, and, and discovered that of the 20 elders we had, they were the only two who felt that way. So I thought, okay, that's great. This is good. I'm glad we got that cleared up. Get to church on Sunday morning. Ballots are being handed out. We're voting on whether Brother Moore is supposed to stay because one of the elders had gone to him and said, well, now the elders say they want you to stay, but they're lying. They don't really mean it. And, you know, I was kind of going, this is church. This is church. I've, I, I've, I've been here. Uh, and then there was uh, a place called Smyrna Assembly. Now, that may not look like Smyrna Assembly, but that was the view out, my back, out the window of my office when we first came here. Uh, there's a parking lot there now and a, and a Kroger and a, a Jiffy or Pro. Or, there's a lube thing uh, and, and stuff over there. Uh, and after I'd been here for about a year, we were going we to have elders. We were going to appoint elders. And uh, there were four guys that I was thinking, okay, these are the four people that we'll start off with as our eldership. And uh, uh, one of them was, was, uh, was Bruce Coble, and one of them was uh, Wade Hutchison. He's an elder now. And, uh, and then there were two other guys. And one of the other guys um, started talking to me and, and, and was really trying to convince me that we shouldn't make Wade an elder just yet. Wade, it wasn't sin issues, but Wade had some things going on that he was having to deal with. And, and uh, you know, and so that Wade really shouldn't be an elder. And I went, well, you know, that, that kind of sounds right. So I went to Wade because we were close enough. And I said, you know, brother, let's, let's just wait. And, uh, you know, and once these things all get worked out, then we'll, we'll make you an elder. 
Uh, and so we got up to the week before we were supposed to appoint the eldership, and I get a phone call. Uh, it seems this guy had a scheduled lunch with a fellow in the church that he thought had money, and, uh, uh, and he felt like he needed to go talk to him. So he went and he went, had lunch with him, and as soon as the lunch was over, the guy gave me a call. And he said, let me tell you the plan. He said, because this is what the guy sat down and laid this all out before me. To, to let me know, to be sure I was going to be on board. Uh, the plan is that since you only get to vote in the case of a tie, if there's only three elders, there won't be a tie. The first order of business is going to be that these two guys are going to vote that you're not the pastor anymore, and this guy is. And I went, oh, okay. Well, he may not be an elder. Um, and so we did. We had a meeting before we announced the eldership, and I said, brother, I... You know, I just can't, I can't have you be an elder at the church right now. I love you, uh, but I just can't do that. And uh, he got up and walked out the door and lives in this community, but has never been on this property again. Um, and then there was the time that the uh, chairman of the deacons uh, told me he was going to punch me in the nose. Uh, but that's, we'll, we'll get to those. We'll get over to that a little bit later. Uh, yeah, there's a story there. Uh, anyway, church conflict. I, I've, I know a little bit about it. I've had been involved in some of it. Conflict of community. Uh, let me ask you this. Does anybody know who this quote is originally uh, attributed to? Everybody wants to go to heaven? <laughs> well, it would sound like Woody Allen, wouldn't it? But no, it's actually uh, not anybody in the arts. Uh, it's actually originally attributed to, and I'm surprised Bruce doesn't know this because they're from, I, th- I think he's a Detroit boy, uh, Joe Lewis. The, uh, he's also the one who originally said, everybody's got a plan until they get hit. Uh, but, <laughs> but I tend to, I, this topic makes me think about this quote. And the reason why it makes me think about this quote is that when we, uh, um, uh, talk about the challenges of living together in community. When we talk about the, the, the challenges that come up in, in the church, one of the, uh, one of the verses that people love to, to quote and pull out is, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Yes, sir, brother. The only problem is everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. Everybody believes as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. But the problem is we all want to be the hammer and nobody wants to be the nail. And so as long as we're doing the sharpening rather than being sharpened, we're all on board with this particular passage. But once, <laughs> once, it's, once it's our turn, once we begin to get sharpened, then, uh, well, we just don't like it. And then our highly mobile limited commitment culture, we uh, pick up and off we go. And so God never has an opportunity to sharpen us and we remain dull Christians. So how do we stay together in conflict? Well, first of all, let me just say this because people tend to think of Matthew uh, 18 verses 15 through 18 as conflict resolution material uh, that you go to the person and you talk to them and and if they you can't reach agreement then you bring somebody else in and then 
uh, that passage is not about conflict resolution at all. That passage is about sin. If, a, if, a, if, a, if another believer is in sin, you, you go and talk to them. And if they won't listen, then you, you bring someone in to help you. So that's not conflict resolution. Conflict resolution within the church is this. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. Clothe your, wear, put on. The, the, the stylish Christian attire has nothing whatsoever to do with hemlines and, and sleeve links and things like that. What you're supposed to wear is compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If you have any grievance, grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Wear it. Compassion. The, the ability to put yourself in somebody else's position and feel what they feel and, 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 and understand the the pain that they are experiencing and understand the confusion that they're experiencing and, 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 and be able to, to empathize with them. Often they, they don't need a sharp rebuke. They need a gentle correction. Sharp rebuke tends to, and I'm not saying there's not a time for sharp rebuke. Some, there is time for that occasionally, but it's not nearly as often as we think it is. And often sharp rebuke is met with sharp rebellion. That is good, isn't it? I didn't say that in the first service. <laughs> You'll have to go back and watch the live stream. That's often what it's met with. There is a passage of Scripture, a very important passage of Scripture, that is written in invisible ink in many Bibles. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 36, 26. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. But must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resist. Must not be quarrelsome. You know, there are people who will, who will look at leadership positions in the church and they'll go, well, now, yeah, the Bible says that, um, says he must be the, so obviously can't be women, so we rule those out, and he must be the husband of one wife. And while I personally feel like that's talking about polygamy, you know, they think that it's, it's talking about re- divorce and remarriage. And, and, you know, they, they got this law and this law and this law, and they point to this, why somebody, but you show this one to them and say, oh, and by the way, he's not supposed to be quarrelsome. They'll fight you tooth and nail about that. Quarrel all up and down about it. But if they're the Lord's servant, they won't. Able to teach, not resentful when somebody else gets to teach instead of them. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. We tend to think that opponents must be instructed so they will learn that we are right. That's not the purpose at all. The, the purpose is so that God will grant them repentance. Leading to a knowledge of the truth so they won't fall into the devil's trap. Most of the time we're not even aware that the devil's trap's out there. We just know they don't agree with us. So there's got to be something wrong with them. 
Compassion, kindness, what an overlooked and undervalued quality. Let me, let, me, let me just say this. A home that is filled with kindness is a wonderful place to be. A home where people are kind to each other. It doesn't matter how much money you got or don't have. It doesn't matter what gadgets you have or don't have. If there's kindness there, it's great. And if there's in, in, a, in a home where people are unkind to each other, you can have all the stuff and it's hell on earth. It's not some place you want to be. Kindness is the, is the most effective tool known to mankind at diffusing hostility. Humility. I have a news flash for you. According to studies that have been done, it is possible that you are occasionally wrong. I know this because I have finally reached an age where I realized that it happened to me once. <laughs> well, actually three or four times. Uh, if you don't understand, if you don't have humility, you cannot learn anything. If you don't have humility, you cannot grow in the Lord at all. I, I've, I've told this before, but it fits so well here. When we were in Zimbabwe, uh, the last few months we were there, uh, Kirk Devinney and his family wanted to come over and work in the ministry that we were involved in. And they, uh, the, the ministry, I, I know they were doing everything they could on this end to to get over there and the uh, the ministry just didn't really seem to be doing what they needed to do on that end to get ready for them and and I and I I got ticked off about it. I'm going, you know, they're they're just leading these people. This isn't right. They're just leading them on. They're over here and they're uh they're or, they're arranging their lives and they're organizing their lives to get ready to go on this to get ready to go on the mission field and um and, and we're just not helping them. So I went to see I went to see the guy who ran the ministry there. And uh and when I and when I did, I mean, I came in loaded for bear. Uh, you know, I started out essentially reading him the riot act and going, "Listen, this is not this is not right. We're not doing right." And we got about thirty to ninety seconds into the conversation, and he slams his hand down on the desk and goes, "You have bad spirit." And I went, "Oh my, he's right. I do. Wow." And it, it's a cultural thing, but I've been in the culture long enough that, you know, I, 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 I got down on my knees and, and apologized and repented to him, repented to the Lord. And, and so then I got up and he goes, okay, now talk. And we got things sorted out. That was a wonderful defining moment in the ministry for me. I mean, there's, there's nothing... He could have done better for me than to go, you have bad spirit. What you're saying really is one thing. Your spirit's the important thing. I went, wow. Without humility, you can't learn, you can't grow, you can't advance in the kingdom at all. And gentleness. 
Gentleness isn't, isn't the, uh, the same thing as weakness or being feeble. Gentleness requires strength. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about, you know, muscle mass here. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful thing to see, you know, someone who's real strong and muscly be very gentle. But no, I'm, I'm talking, but requires even more strength in the spirit. Because it, if, you're, if you're insecure, if you're threatened, if you feel like you're, you've been put on the defensive, you can't be gentle. The only ones who can be gentle are the ones who secure, are, they're secure of who they are, where they are, what God's called them to, the place that he's put them. Yeah. If you see somebody ranting and raving, the one thing you can know is they're, they're insecure. They don't have the strength to approach this in a gentle fashion where somebody might actually be able to hear them who has an opposing point of view. A gentle answer turns away wrath. And then, you know, I wanted to save time for this one. Patience. Bear with each other. Now, let me tell you this. This is, this is a very important thing here. Uh, in fact, well, now we can't play the newsflash music again. Uh, I have seen so many conflicts that would never have become full-blown except for the fact that somebody felt like they needed to fix them while they were little-blown. Oftentimes, all we have to do is wait. Wait. I'm not talking about, you know, sweeping it under the rug. I'm not talking about... Uh, you know, being afraid to bring the word of the Lord. I'm just talking about just because something doesn't exactly line up with the way that we think it ought to line up or somebody disagrees with us doesn't mean that we need to jump in the middle of it and straighten it out. Because, uh, newsflash, you're not any good at jumping in the middle of it and straightening it out. And I'm not either, unless, unless you're the one at fault and then you, you won't want to go and repent. That'll, that'll usually help. Why don't we like maybe give God some time to work? Somebody, sometimes it might take, oh gee, I don't know, at least a week. You ever written, <laughs> you know, here in the digital age, it's just such, you know, you can shoot off an email and you know, way it goes and it gets out there. You just kind of go, Arr. it's out there. And, uh, and then have you ever gone back a couple days later and read the email that you sent out and kind of went, oh. If you had just waited a day or two before you shot it out there, then your house wouldn't be on fire. Possibly. Sometimes it takes... Actually, it's hard to believe, but it actually sometimes takes months for God to work in somebody's life. And in my case, it takes years or even decades. But being patient with one another, forgive one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You did nothing to earn your forgiveness. 
So, well, yes, I did. I, I repented. Okay. Repentance does not cause God to forgive you. Repentance causes you to be able to receive God's forgiveness. See, it's not a matter of God sitting up there and going, okay, when you repent, then I'll, 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 I'll meet you. No, God's going, come on, come on. And as soon as we repent, then we can receive what he's already given. Now, why? Because he didn't forgive us based on what we've done. He forgave us based on what Christ has done. And when it says forgive as the Lord forgave you, you don't forgive people based on what they've done. You forgive based on what Christ has done, and that hasn't changed. That's the way he forgave us. That's how we're supposed to forgive others. And so the way that we handle conflict, if, if, you, have a, if, someone, if you have ought against somebody, if you're, then it says forgive them. That's how you deal with it. That, that's how it gets handled biblically. And over all of these other virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love is where the power comes from. Uh, the, uh, the Holy Spirit brings the love of God into our hearts and it is shown abroad to others. That's what the Bible says. John says over in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God doesn't come from anywhere else. When, you're, when you love, you're, you're channeling God. That's what's going on. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. And he goes on in verse 20 to say, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. <coughs> Strong words. For whoever does not love their brother or sister... Whom they have seen cannot love God, whom they have not seen. Now, we can quibble about whether or not it's easier to love someone you've seen or, or someone you've not seen, but the Bible has its, you know, it's not, stutter, it's not stuttering there. It, it, it pretty well sorts it out. You know, I, I think in the natural, it's probably easier to love someone that you've seen, uh, but to keep loving someone that you've not seen, or something like that. But, uh, but according to the Bible... If we don't love our brother and sister, we don't love God. Well, I want to uh, come full circle here and <coughs> tell you the rest of the story about the stories that I started off sharing. Uh, the first one was about, uh, was about Millersville. And uh, the lady who got up and uh, made that proposal that night was Dovey Ray. And that's her. He said, well, you're calling her out. Yes, I am. For a number of reasons. One of the reasons I'm calling her out is because she was probably right. My dad, and a lot of you have heard me share this before, my dad, what my dad was great at doing was taking a very small group of people that had no money and no influence and very little prospects and turning them into a, a viable presence in the community, a viable uh, you know, they, they, they'd have a building, they'd have enough people where they could impact the community. He was great at that. Uh, he did it twice. He did it at Millersville and he did it at Smyrna. And both of those places where he did it, that served as the foundation for 
what are today, uh, what is this? Let's see. Well, in our case, well, in Millersville's case, started in 54. So uh, that's, that's 60 years ago. Yeah. Uh, a church that's still very viable and very strong. And, but, but our thinking tends to be, well, it's just supposed to keep growing and keep growing and keep growing. And if you can't do that, then, then let the next person come in. Uh, and you know, it would get up to about 120 or so, and then it bumped back down and that, and that's where it had been for a while. You know, and I don't know, you know, had my dad left then he might've done it three places instead of two places. I, I don't know. That's totally in God's hands, but that's not the only reason I want to call her out. I want to call her out because she was my first and second grade Sunday school teacher. And next to my parents, um, she taught me the more in the Bible than any other person on the face of this earth. And in terms of worship, she was one of the most faithful worshipers in the church. And here's the real reason why I want to call her out. She got up. She, I know it was diff, I mean, now I know it was difficult for her to get up and, and propose what she proposed and say what she said. She got voted down. And you know what? There was not one Sunday that she went looking around somewhere else to see what church she really ought to be in. She stayed and she didn't stay to make trouble. She stayed to put her shoulder to the wheel. She stayed to help carry the burden and was one of the most useful and people in the church. And and she got to, she got to see, I mean, but by staying, she also got to see what the Lord had in store for that place. It was a community of 300 people. And at one time, the, the church that was there ran over a thousand. And she got to see that. Because after my dad left and, and came to this place and was able to start this, then God brought the person in that he had for coming there next. The Lord's Chapel. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of conflict and there was a lot of mess that went on, but... What a wonderful place it was for, 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 for our family, for me and Margaret and the doors that it opened for it. Uh, some of you saw this, this picture already on Facebook. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy in the good looking shorts with the world champion San Francisco Giants shirt on. Uh, I was just a little ahead of my time. Uh, and, and Margaret's the, the one kneeling down in the, in the red and white. But there's Bruce and Jill Coble there. Uh, there's, uh, there's Wayne Berry there. Uh, and, and there are a number of other people that we met there that it was because we were at that place, which is where God had told us to be. And, and it gave me the opportunity to come into the ministry full time. They, they gave us the opportunity to, to go to Zimbabwe. Uh, it was, and, and had, uh, had I decided to get into the flow of all the conflict, I don't think any of that stuff would have happened. But the Lord just kept us in a position where it was kind of like, okay, I know there's conflict and I know that, but you know what? There's a lot of good here. And I can, I can say that place was always, always a, nothing but a blessing for our family. And then Smyrna Assembly, the brother who uh, was plotting the coup, uh, has never been back here, but he, uh, uh, he's attended several other churches, most of which still don't exist and created trouble in everyone that he's gone to. But you know what? I, uh, I still, I pray for that guy. 
I, I still pray for him. Every, every day that I, that I pray through the Lord's Prayer, which I don't do every day, but I certainly do at least on a weekly basis when I come to the forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. His name is always one that I, that I lift up to the Lord. Uh, and, you know, things have turned out pretty well here. And I'm thankful for him and what God used him to do in my life because he taught me two things. He taught me, first of all, to listen to my wife who had been telling me, no, this isn't, don't trust this guy. And, 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 and there were a couple of other people around me who I knew were close and had been put in my life to protect and help. And they were going, don't trust this guy. And I was going, oh, he's a good guy, you know. Uh, but now I know a little bit more about listening to those that God has placed in my life as guardians. And then I also learned to be a leader because ultimately it was my decision. And the truth of the matter is I can't let somebody else hear from God for me to decide something. I, if I've got to hear from God uh, about the church, then I've got to move on that. You know, and if you hear something else, I'm sorry, maybe you're, maybe you're more in touch with God than I am, but I'm responsible. So I, I have to have to go by what God said. And, you know, God used that. Emma, I was the nail. And he was the hammer. That's okay. It's okay to be that way. You are called to community. There is strength in community and in that calling and in that joining together. There's conflict, no doubt about it. But there's also a lot of joy. And so I got some stories next week as well. Would you stand with me? Would those who are going to pray with people come forward? And if you're here and you need prayer, by all means, uh, we want you to come. Uh, you may have come knowing that you needed prayer. But let me add one other thing to the mix. If, you're, uh, if you've got conflict in your life and you're not dealing with it in the right way, or you're having trouble dealing with it in the right way, uh, I believe God's grace is here this morning to specifically specifically move on that say well you you can pray to God about that yeah yeah you can pray to God about that yeah uh, and watch him move so uh, if you don't need to come strengthen community would you please worship with us to create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can work for those who do need to come
another state now but if I saw him we'd definitely get a big hug and talk for a good while raise your hand let me give you a blessing may the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his son into the world so that we might be one even as he and the Father are one may the the power and the unity of that oneness be yours May you walk in the spirit of unity and the bond of peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.